Welcome to another episode of the Scrumcast. I'm Clayton Langelzigich. I'm Roy Vanwater. And I'm Scott Dunn. So, uh, Scott, thanks for joining us today. Um, I know that you are interested in um, the Strengths Finder, uh, or I guess Strengths, or I, I don't know what the generic term for it is. Um, but maybe can you give kind of the audience a little bit of a background on well, what that is and why you uh, you know find that interesting? Sure. Uh, back when I was a manager for a web development and shared services team, looking for ways to have my uh, team members be engaged and focused, I was at a, an event called the Leadership Summit, and there I heard someone named Marcus Buckingham talk about the level of engagement of employees and how low it was, and so I was definitely listening. And he gave a stat that less than two out of ten of us are what we call engaged, that is, um, we care about what's happening at work. We're we're doing our best, um, and, and the work that the company he'd worked for at that time, which was Gallup, they had done a survey of over a million employees and a hundred thousand managers, trying to find what makes great management, and they boiled it down to twelve questions called the Q12. But the biggest lever, if you were a manager, the biggest lever that you could use to to get the most out of your employees, that they'd be the most engaged, was do they have the chance each day to do what they do best? I.e., do they have the chance to play to their strengths? And so from there, they came up with a, uh, an assessment that you can kind of uh, walk through and get your top five strengths. That's called the Strengths Finder, and that's been on the bestseller list for you know, four years, five years now, as well as Marcus has recently come out with an assessment of his own. He's, he's uh, since left Gallup, and it's called Standout, which talks more about your strengths roles uh, and kind of puts you into several categories of manager, leader, uh, sales, et cetera. So those are there's a couple of ways you can approach it, but from there you're you're talking to your team and um, and working with them in a way that helps them discover what their strengths are and then find a way to really um, leverage that as a as a coach or as a scrum master or a manager. Um, so let's say that um, let's say I'm a manager and I've got this you know scrum team or some agile team. We're doing some agile thing, whatever. Um, you know how do I how do I, how would I even implement this? Is it something that I you know make everybody take this questionnaire and then um, you know put people in boxes or you know how do those two worlds meet well, that's that's a great practical question and and what i've done before and i i detailed this on my blog so um we can circle back to that later but i do try to make it something that someone can go to and just follow the cheat sheet but basically what i do is i give everyone you know a couple of weeks heads up and notice and saying you know um, i'm going to be putting books on your desk uh, don't worry about reading it right now just take the assessment in the back you'll find the code you'll go to a website and register and use that code to start your assessment, I kind of give some you know details about how the test works, and, and and try to lower the level of anxiety. Like it's not a pass/fail test. You can't not have any strengths. You're not going to have a strength like loser or something like that show up, and everyone you know you'll be. Uh, Roy hasn't taken the test yet. That's so right. I, I'm sure. I'm really strong in the ability of being fired. <laughs> okay, I sorry. One, go ahead. I had one employee say, "You know, is, is beer drinking a strength?" And, well, maybe. <laughs> I think I got that one covered too. <laughs> Yeah, you'll get lots of funny re- responses, but the amazing thing is uh, the results I've had, I've done this with uh, at least 200 people so far on every team that I would spin up when I was independent. We would always do this because, well, it's a great team building thing. It's very affirming. These people come out like, wow, uh, they'll routinely say, that that really nailed me. That was, I would promise you, over 99% of the time they're saying, that was so accurate. They, they, they've been reading my mail. I can't believe this. It's a very affirming process, not just for them, but that next step after they've taken it, I schedule a meeting for all the team to come in, and we just walk through their strengths. I just list them up on a grid. I'm, I'm writing them up in front of everybody, and I'll open up the book and kind of read off, or I'll read off their reports. 
And so everyone's getting to hear about each other's strengths, what they're naturally good at, where they'll find the best of each other. And these teams aren't great teams because everyone's well-rounded. They're great teams precisely because each person's not. And you find out, you get that insight. I had one manager come up and say when she followed that, uh, that that was the most her team had talked to each other in four years. So you get these amazing um, sharing and insights into each other as a team. And that's part of the team building process as well. From there, you start talking about coaching, and we can get into that a little bit later. But even if you just did that, you're talking 12 to you know, 14 bucks for this book, a one-hour meeting. They spend a half an hour of their own time taking the test. And it's a huge ROI as far as just the connection that they're going to make and your insights as their manager or scrum master as well. So it's, it's very powerful. So what do the results uh, look like? Like I'm, I'm trying to think of like, I think it's the Meyer Briggs personality test or something like that where it says you're like, I, I can't remember. I, was, I think they have like these little codes for uh, yes. for what you is it is it same type of idea? No, it's and I like the Myers Briggs. I took it and and my response is what I think most people think the strengths assessments are going to be, which is oh that's in, you know that's interesting that you know it says that I'm I'm an extrovert. Well, but what do I do with that? Right? Mm-hmm. How do I use that at work? Uh, be more extroverty and, and you don't know what to do. Um, so the strengths by it's going to give you top five uh, strengths, which are really more like. Uh, action verbs or the standout will give you you know your top uh, two roles uh, and list out all nine but there's something that are actionable like um, uh, a maximizer and uh, it'll give you action items to take with that if the standout will say here's here's where you're best at um, here's what you can do with that here's a great next step so if you're a maximizer it's look for areas where something's happening with your team or the company or a process that's okay but it can be made great because you'll naturally be pulled towards making things great. Average bugs you. So you so it opens your eyes to say, wow, you know, that's true. We had a we had a deployment process and it's okay, but I know we could we could shrink the time down, right? Or our build process. We could shrink that. These people, if they're on your team and they're a maximizer, they're gonna love doing that. They'll thrive doing that. They'll learn the most and grow the most and perform the most. And and the team can lean on it. And these people will never get tired of doing that stuff. So that's what's one of the insights. And each one of those will be like that. Where I had uh, a team member once and we were at a lull in our uh, work as a web team. I said, you know, just take it easy, surf the web, no big deal, enjoy your time off, so to speak, your paid time off here. It turned out she got frustrated and, and left uh, for another job. And the reason was one of her strengths was activator. The worst thing I could have done for an activator, that's someone, or I should say, an achiever, someone who loves to check off everything they've done that day. They love coming in that day and there's 10 things to do and they get the check, check, check. Hey, look, I've been productive. Easy. That was driving her nuts. She would rather me just cooked up some work and given her a checklist of things to do and say, hey, could you just, you know, take a look at some of these areas of the code base and review it for areas for opportunity? You know, anything. I could have made it up. And for me, that would that would have killed me. For her, it bugged her so much that she left for another opportunity where they would have kept her busier. So, so those are a couple of examples of doing that. So I, I understand that it's a really good tool for figuring out what kind of jobs uh, the members of the team can do that are personally motivating. Do you find it's also a good tool for having uh, to use to help team members discover their weaknesses so that they can try to round out what, what areas they might not necessarily be proficient or necessarily enjoy as much and find, try to find enjoyment in areas where they're, they don't excel so that the team can try to go more for that everybody in our team is a, is a well-rounded individual? Right. That's a great question. That's a, that's a common one because most of our performance reviews are really spent like, you know, I've seen that you've done this and this and this. You know, they, uh, thank you for your contribution um, or the contribution. Now let's spend the rest of our hour talking about these areas where 
where you suck, you know, that where you're not so strong, where you, where you, where you fail to come up short or you just don't perform well, those areas where you're looking at the clock, it's like, is the clock broken? I hate doing this, anything but this. Let me check my email one more time, that type of work. And for me, it was organization. They'd say, you know, uh, here, here's a recommendation. Use the day runner or, or why don't you try the palm pilot, right? That, and, and I'll try those things. But the truth is, our areas where we're weak, those things that we do that just drain us, that we, we, we loathe, we'll, all the effort we might put in to try to get better at that um, will be a lot of pain and not much results. And if you look back, oh, those areas, and you might know what some of them are, and they, they, I certainly know some of mine. I look and I have put a lot of time and effort over the years, and I ain't much better. I'm about the same with marginal improvement. Despite putting a lot of time and effort and, and money even at times, um, what would be much better for me, especially as a team member, is invest all that time and energy into my areas of strength where there'll be leaps of growth, um, much uh, uh, productivity and engagement and better to be around, and look to someone else in those areas where the team might need someone who's detail-oriented, who loves to check things off or loves to you know tackle the tough nuts, and then find that you know, where we can kind of shift the work. Because really on these agile teams as a whole, we should be volunteering. We're, we're self-organizing. We're self-managing. And this is the perfect playground to say, you know, I love doing this. And the whole team wins when you do that. And I'm not so good doing this. And someone else, you know, probably would like that. And they would thrive. And now you're not playing in areas where you just won't ever grow that much or do that well and get not such positive performance reviews. Uh, and someone else could. They're, they're not getting the opportunity to do more of what they would love to do. So we actually say... Play to your strengths and, first of all, discover them. Find out what they are and begin carving out time each week to invest in learning about that or activities that you could do to practice it. That's how we grow, right? We learn and we practice doing it. Manage around your weaknesses because that's just not worth the – on the ROI side, it's just not worth putting time into around your weaknesses. Just work around them. So my, my concern is kind of in along the lines of it, – it sounds to me – like if everybody is playing to their strengths and doing the things that they are best at, that you will naturally have a tendency to form information silos and skill silos, and you will start to form a team that doesn't pass the hit by a bus test. Is that is that something yeah. that you've seen happened, or how do you how do you prevent that from from being an issue? I would separate the difference of technology skill. I'm definitely one who really believes in generalists. I don't want specialists, and I, I really love breaking down silos. But there's a difference between say. Uh, technical knowledge, um, uh, your abilities and aptitude and what you actually uh, are doing versus areas where you play your strengths. So several people that might be developers might love development for different reasons. A lot of us um, in IT have the strengths around learning and input. We love the process of learning and we love input. If we hate, you know, if we hated learning, we probably wouldn't be IT. We'd probably be complaining every time they you know, have a new version of the, the, uh, the software out. But outside of that, you'll find people who love to do it because they love they love the um, analysis part of it, trying to figure out how this works. They have people that love it because they're fixing problems, right? They don't mind doing process works. They love tackling problems and restoring things back to the way they should be working. We have people who love it because they love teaching others as they're building. Hey, this is what I've been learning. Let me share this with you, uh, whether it's the business side or IT. So those same strengths, whether they're all Java developers or not, um, those same strengths will come to play in different ways. They can still be generous and share you know, the technology uh, fine, and, and it all work in the code base, and I would want that. I want collective ownership of the code base for sure. Um, but why they do it and how they do it is, is different, and it can play their strengths differently. Um, so I'd look for that, and I still look for ways. And you might have to sh um, shepherd them around a little bit and say, here's an opportunity over here. I've noticed that only one person's the area, you know, an expert in this. I'd, I do that by nature anyways. But I don't think the strengths will get in the way and trip them up from just um, all playing together in the in the sandbox, so to speak, with the actual technology itself. 
Uh, so, <clears throat> a last question for kind of on the strengths topic. Is there an example that you can give us or maybe a situation where, um, you know, you introduced this concept and you had people take the test and it just really went south and maybe some people were really against it and um, just really didn't want to participate, uh, anything like that? Or, you know, or, or are people usually just uh, willing to give it a shot? No, everything has always gone perfectly uh, for me. It's, I it's thought amazing. that was the case, but I just wanted to make sure. So that's good to know. <laughs> no, I did have someone who was a bit of a, bit of a, a rebel, rapscallion, which actually I like about them. I love it when people, you know, don't just accept that face value what I'm saying. Skepticism is uh, good. A healthy skepticism is something I like to see. But this person took it to the extremes and just really basically refused to be, he felt he was going to get labeled. Um, and I think actually... Uh, I, I like to say that the issue isn't the issue. I don't think that was the issue. I think it was an issue on vulnerability. Uh, he didn't want, he was afraid of what the results might say. He knew it would be public. All the other people had their strengths, you know, pinned up on their cubes and were talking about it and all that. Um, I think that was the issue. But in the end, I just, I let it slide um, and just gave him time and said, you know, I'm not going to make you participate. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do that. But later on, on the side, this after the, you know, all the excitement had kind of died down some a bit later, he did take it, and he said, you know, it really did uh, nail me. It was accurate, and it was insightful. Then we had a nice, quiet conversation about that, and that was good enough. Right? That was, I was happy for that. Outside that, um, people will approach it skeptically, but they'll usually participate if they understand um, that there's a win in it for them, and I'll try to take time for that. Um, but no one's ever, more importantly, no one's ever come up afterward and said, you know, that wasn't a good experience for me. They might say, I wasn't sure about this particular strength of that one, um, but overall, they say it's um, really good uh, conversation with your insights. But there hasn't been resistance, except for maybe management saying, "What's happening um, with this? Are you doing my job as far as developing my people?" Which you know you need to make sure you're you're on the same page with them on talk about beforehand, or HR saying, "Is this is this something that you know it should be in our category, not yours?" In fact, a very big supporter of this is HR, so it's worth checking with them and making sure organizationally that they're on board with that and they know where this is going. And for me, it's all about team building and the agile team and being self-managing and self-organizing. So I take it from that route and just make sure everyone's aware and, and I'm over-communicating. But no uh, no significant problems after the fact. Well, I think we're about out of time, but um, is there anything that you know, you've know you been excited about lately? Uh, maybe a book or you know, a blog, training course, or anything like that that uh, you want to share with anyone? Uh, yeah, and I'm such a person of immediacy, I guess. Uh, I was just... Um, looking at the, there's a movie called uh, uh, Blue Like Jazz, which is actually based on the book. But that term, Blue Like Jazz, is talking about um, jazz doesn't resolve. And I'm realizing there's issues in our agile community, I think, um, don't always resolve around uh, um, you know, what we believe and hold true and then what we actually live out. So I've been, I've been noodling about that and um, wanting to put out something that maybe um, challenges us maybe to give back to the community a bit more. Uh, and see what we can do to make a difference beyond just um, with teams and individuals and themselves within companies contributing to the greater good. If I had anything, I would love to have everybody, uh, no scrum in the other agile processes. So looking into ways to do that and looking for ways um, to push that out on the other communities outside that. Um, and I just finished Lean Startup and was really impressed with that on a tougher way we can kind of take uh, accountability for evaluation of what we say we're contributing to the business and if they can't measure that and they don't have metrics up front of how they're going to validate that really added value what are we doing so i think that closes the loop the learning loop for scrum in a big way too i really recommend everyone take a look at that as well great well thanks for joining us today we appreciate it yeah. my pleasure thanks for having me and thanks for all the great questions 
Is there something you'd like to hear in a future episode? Head over to integramtech.com slash podcast, where you can suggest a topic or a guest. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Agile Weekly podcast is brought to you by Integram Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona. For old episodes, check out integramtech.com or subscribe on iTunes.